Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Coast to Coast Combat Hour. I'm your host, Matthew Hawkins, joined by my co-host, Ed Carbajal. And on a weekly basis, we plan to bring you the biggest news and interviews in the world of combat sports. Ed, how you doing? I'm good. I'm happy to have uh, the other Matt back, Mr. Matt Marsden. <laughs> how are you, sir? Hey, what's... I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys? Yeah, uh, we had Cutman Matt on uh, one of our first shows about a year ago. So we just wanted to uh, keep in touch with him. I, I get a chance to see him at some of the events occasionally, but uh, just kind of wanted to get a rundown on how things are going in Bellator and uh, what it's like to be a world traveler these days. <laughs> uh, I have to say, like, uh, things are just great at Bellator right now, mostly because of the DAZN contract. Like, that's opened up so many new opportunities for us. Uh, and uh, that has allowed me, like you said, to go to a lot more places uh, the European series is about to kick off like in full gear. You know, we just had our first one, but uh, we're on Sky Sports over in Europe now. And that like, I, I honestly, as an American, I didn't realize how big of a deal that was. <laughs> like, and when I got over there and they were and the news broke while we were actually over there uh, and everybody was like, you have no idea how big you're about to blow up over here being on Sky Sports. They said they made darts na internationally popular just by putting them on Sky Sports. And now you're on there. So oh, wow. they're like, if they can do that to darts, then you guys are going to have no problem, basically. So, uh, yeah, but it's been great. You know, the fans are different in, in every spot. Like, um, you know, Dublin was great. Uh, the, I, I don't think I've ever had a crowd pop the way that we've had in Dublin. You know, I mean, no disrespect to any fans anywhere else, but they, they took it to a whole other level. So that's been a fun part of the, the journey. I wonder, do, do, do you think that's part of the McGregor effect as far as, like, just the, the having MMA in Dublin or, or, or so those guys get... just love fights. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, That's what I figured. They, they just love fighting. But, but even more like when we had the loudest pop, it was uh, when one of the fighters walked out to zombie by cranberries. And I like, they, that is a serious song over there. And the entire crowd like unified and sang in unison, the entire song. Like it was just, it was really weird to see a crowd come together. So in unison, normally there's people booing for one side or the other, you know, but every single person in that crowd was singing along to that song. It gave me goosebumps. Like, I, I turned to somebody, I was like, do you see this? Like, this crowd singing an old 90s cranberry song, and I'm getting goosebumps from it. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that they're, was just They're really... big singers out there, right? They like singing a lot. I, I feel oh, like, yeah. Uh... They, like, they're, they're going to break out in a song every every eight to ten minutes or so. Yeah. It's, it's like clockwork. <laughs> are those arenas out there, are those are they the same size as the arenas, the, the SAP centers or the, the forums? Are they the same size or are they smaller? Uh, it depends. The the three arena in Dublin is a little bit smaller. It's probably more comparable to uh, like maybe the Mohegan Sun if you've been there, uh, someplace like that. But others that we go to, like in Israel, that's comparable to the SAP Center. It's it's extremely it's extremely big and extremely loud because there is no sound dampening in there. It's just a big metal shell. So when it when it goes off in there, it echoes. I think you said last time you were on that that was the pop that. Uh you thought was yeah. the loudest up until that that time yeah up until dublin outdid them you know now if, if, if israel wants to bring it back this year if they want to go for the crown again you know i invite them to please try it it only makes my job easier so you uh we also talked about last time you were on the kickboxing series now we haven't seen that in a little bit um i'm not sure exactly where that's at as far as um where that's going to continue but when you go to places like hungary and stuff now 
Um, are you noticing a more knowledgeable MMA crowd, or is it still they're kickboxing their their focus, um, and then MMA is kind of the the added event for those shows? I think that we're we're starting to see a, a turnaround and a more MMA oriented crowd. Um, they they definitely still love their kickboxing, and I would say that uh, that especially goes in Italy that they're still really really into their kickboxing. But outside of that, we've seen more of a turn towards MMA. Uh, the fans are knowledgeable. Uh, they they know the big fighters and not just the ones in the UFC. Like they'll know, you know, fighters from us. They'll know fighters from one, you know, and, and you know, other organizations. Like it's uh, it's 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 getting bigger. It's like I didn't really think it could get any bigger because I was exposed to it in the States. And then when I went over there, I was like, wow, we have a lot of room for growth over here. And it's been cool to kind of be along and watch it happen. Do you so, know where? Uh, oh, sorry, Ed, real quick. Do you know where that we're at with the kickboxing, uh, Bellator kickboxing? Is that something uh, that still exists? I, I don't. I know that there are a couple of our, our bigger name kickboxers that have recently accepted MMA fights. Yeah. I don't know if those have been announced, so I don't know. I know. I know Raymond Daniels is fighting. Yeah. Uh, Raymond Daniels, and then uh, one other one, which uh, he's. I think he's hinted at it on some of his social media before. But uh, yeah, we have one other one in the in the pipeline too that's looking to take an MMA fight. And then of course Denise uh, and Hesdi, uh, her husband, have both you know taken MMA fights recently. So I mean, just to keep them busy, uh, I, they're definitely getting MMA fights. But uh, as far as the next kickboxing, I haven't heard anything. So uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you, I mean, you and I had a double duty uh, not that long ago with uh, Mohegan Sun. Um, Back in February, uh, what was your take on that? Uh, how how bad uh, Sergey Karatonov got hurt on that that Friday night event? I mean, uh, he was he was walking Man. around the hotel the next day. So I just figured I, I ask what your I mean, involvement he did, was. He, he did go to the hotel or to the hospital. I mean, I, he yeah. he went to the hospital. That was correct. What I thought was really weird was like when they said that it caused a hemorrhoid. Like that was I was like, what? Yeah. I, like, first of all, why would you put that out there? And second of all, no, that's not how hemorrhoids are called. You don't, you can't, you don't catch <laughs> shot to the nuts and get a hemorrhoid. Like you, I mean, unless they think that he bared down so hard from the shot, you know, that he gave himself yeah. a hemorrhoid. That would be the only explanation I could think of. I just thought that that was a really odd thing of, of, of all of it to come out is that's what everybody focused on. Yeah. But I mean, I think it was, I think it was a pretty legit shot. I was just reminded of, uh, we had that happen back in Bellator's very, very like early Wild West days, where we had two fighters. Uh, I believe one of one of them was Eric Prindle, and I can't remember the other guy. Uh, Pr- but, Prindle and uh, Tiago Santos. Yes, they traded nut stoppages. Remember, so it was uh, <laughs> Santos did it to Prindle, and Prindle couldn't continue, and so the fight was a no contest. They rematched them, and then Prindle did it to Santos, and the fight was a no contest, couldn't continue. And that was, for some reason, that was immediately what it reminded me of. But weren't those, like, those were axe guy. kicks, though, weren't they? They weren't even standing. Yeah, like, that was one guy down. on the ground. Was, yeah, oh, <laughs> you know, one guy was on his back, and they were axe kicks straight down. There was no mistaking <laughs> what happened. But but wow. I just immediately flashed back to, to some of our early day hijinks. You know? well, as far as the, the hemorrhoid or whatever thing is concerned, I mean, I remember back in when I did my, when I did my, uh, back in my karate days, when we would spar full contact, I and my I was an idiot in my twenties, so I I took a shot. I wasn't. It's what made me wear a cup ever since. But I took a shot that was pretty hard, and um, not only did it drop me, but I remember I remember feeling like I was gonna throw up because it went all the way up, <laughs> yes. 
all, it went all the it, way up it, into it, my it, stomach. Your so. stomach just yes, it's yeah. it's an awful awful feeling. Yeah. So and so. I don't I don't wear a cup when I roll jujitsu and, and it's it's a big I know it's a big debate in the jujitsu community on whether or not you should. Yeah. I don't, but there are times I definitely wish I had one on. You know. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, so I mean, I, and I also I tore my groin doing karate too. So that that's one of the reasons I always wear a cup. Uh, just all the time, but I, I, I've definitely gotten the heat for for wearing it. But I'm just like, and I know you can't wear them in certain competitions, and I'm just like, then yeah. then I won't compete in those because yeah. <laughs> I, I I gotta wear a cup. I, I I get I've gotten heat for wearing a cup and a mouthpiece, but I mean, there's dudes walking around that have lost teeth, and and obviously, I mean, many a match stopped in front of me because dudes took a heel to to the groin. So it's like you know, I, I'd rather play it safe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody <laughs> blames you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, so speaking of playing it safe, so um, you know, it seems like every time there's a bare knuckle boxing event, usually with, and I, I want to say with BKFC in particular, the sport seems to be trending like more than it normally is with the other promotions. And then afterwards, uh, I was at the BKFC media thing in New York last week, and um, obviously they put up the the, the main event aftermath photos. And everyone's talking about how bad uh, Artem Lobov's and Jason Knight's face looked. So, as in your experience in dealing with cuts and stuff, I mean, is that something that do you think is going to be a turnoff for the sport? Will it ever get get bigger than it is right now? Or what's your opinion? You no, know, I actually just had this conversation with my wife yesterday uh, in the car because she asked me the same question. Mm. And I, first of all, I want to say that I'm a fan. I love watching it. I think it's it's amazing. And what I said to her was, is that bare knuckle, uh, bare knuckle fighting is what MMA fans really want to see. You know, you always have the just bleed crowd, but you know, like those, those fans, <laughs> yeah. the ones that boo the second everyone goes to the ground that are really just looking for violence. Yeah. yeah. Bare knuckle is what they really want to see. Kickboxing, it isn't going to be, you know, grotesque enough for them. And MMA is going to move too slow for them. Bare knuckle is what they're looking for. So I definitely think that there is an audience there. And I would doubt that it's going anywhere anytime soon. I mean, there's nothing inherently, you know, different. I mean, the rule sets general boxing rules. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's if you choose to step in there, mutual combat. I, I've always just had that opinion that if two men want to fight, they should be allowed to fight or women. So with a. Uh... With with your uh, I'm sorry, man. I, I, he just said something that made me think of something else. Um, get with your field of, I mean, obviously your your field of uh, helping folks not bleed. Are all the cut men excited about this sport and looking? Yeah, actually, I, and I even I was talking to somebody about that. I was like, that's a that's a challenge. Like, if you want to see if you've got the right stuff, man, you go work a bare knuckle fight. <laughs> you know, and they've got good guys. They've all of the bare knuckle promotions have been really good about hiring top quality cut men. Like that, none of them are slacking. None of the major ones that you've seen televised or advertised have slacked in the slightest with their cutmen. I've been really, I was surprised because that's normally uh, where new promotions and and stuff kind of slack first. That they they never forget a ring girl, but uh, the cutmen can wait. You know, <laughs> and uh, so I was surprised to see that not only were they employing cutmen, but good ones and you know flying them in and and taking care of them. So, like kudos to them. Yeah, I mean, I actually, I, I loved the event. I thought it was just beautiful violence. I, I couldn't even, I couldn't maintain myself during that. It was just event. exciting. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it, 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 you know, and it, it's it's new in a sense. It's it's new old, you know, um, for people that watch the old UFC stuff. But it really, you know, it kind of always has that, you don't really know what's going to happen. 
I mean, you watch enough MMA events, yeah. you kind of can, you know, what's yeah. going to happen. You know, every once in a while we get something really over the top, but in this, you, do, you know, you don't know if, I mean, God forbid somebody loses an eye or something yeah. like that, but in this, it, it almost appears like that could happen. And I know that's kind of, <laughs> I know that's crazy and not something we're rooting for, but you know, I still go back and watch the old UFC two tapes, yes. uh, Orlando V soccer kicking Lucarelli and, and Scott Morris and stuff like that. And, you know, we maybe watched if, NASCAR for the crashes, right? Like, yeah, and, and <laughs> maybe maybe if it was on every weekend, we wouldn't feel the same way. Um, but definitely as a cut man, that's some job security. A and <laughs> and and B, I would I would look into piecework for that. No more no more hourly wage or show <laughs> by oh, the I, cut <laughs> by the cut because if you worked the Lobov or uh, or uh, Jason Knight fight, I think you would uh, I think you'd bank some serious cash. Um, yeah. You know what? Those cutmen did do a good job on, on, during that fight as well. Mm. I, I believe it was uh, Paul Carrito and uh, it wasn't Stitch. I'm not sure who the second one was, but uh, they did a, was a bang job. Was he working, though? I don't, or was yeah. he just there as a guest? I, I, no, no, he, he was working. Okay. Because I, I, he's got a, a, a contract or something with Caesars Palace right now. And so mm. I, I know that MMA, have, they have him locked up for MMA, but I'm not sure how that falls for boxing and bare knuckle boxing. Yeah, he definitely worked a couple of the other fights. I can't recall the the main okay. event. Okay, right. so, yeah. so like I said, they're not skimping. Yeah. So, so w- one thing I wanted to ask is because uh, um, the last time we had you on, you talked about how you how you do more hand wrapping than actually working cuts. So for something like like, do you have to learn a a, a varied technique for wrapping hands for a sport like uh, bare knuckle boxing? Uh, no, it's pretty easy actually. Uh. <laughs> Uh, they, you know, you, you, you can't wrap. So normally, you know, you, you could wrap, uh, you know, gauze up to here, mm-hmm. you know, around the knuckles here. Uh, it's just, uh, it has to stop here. You can't go past that. So you notice a lot of them had just wraps going around here. This is the yeah. part that breaks anyway. So the, the, anything that we put over the knuckles, the majority of that is just for fighter comfort. So their hands don't get sore. But with this, like we're still allowed to at least kind of stabilize, you know, the area that's going to break. I mean, we didn't see a ton of broken hands come out of this, which was yeah. actually surprising to me. It was a little, little study we could kind of do, you know, to see, yeah. but, uh, you know, uh, you know, we do have some fighters that don't wrap their hands at all or do really minimal wraps, even in MMA. And, and they still break. Like Brian Moore is a really great example of somebody who is now a true believer in good hand wraps, uh, because he had very, very light ones on his last one, and he broke both hands in that fight. So uh, I, I would still suggest wrapping hands for sure, mm-hmm. but they're allowing them at least to do enough minimal wrap that should be taken care of them. But no, that wrap takes, to answer the, the main question, that wrap takes about three minutes <laughs> to do. Oh, wow. so. Each hand or, or the for both hands? For both hands. It's it's yeah. a pretty simple wrap. For for people listening, uh, the, the wrap for the bare knuckle is about two inches or so under the knuckle um, as opposed to being able to cover the knuckles in, in modern MMA. Right. Like if you, um, if you took a, a glove and you cut it off, you know, just below the knuckles, that's what you would be allowed to have on your hand. Interesting. It, yeah, it is interesting. Cause the funny thing is like, um, I noticed a lot of fight, you talked about breakage and a lot of fighters seemed after like, uh, and I'm sure Matt probably remembers some of it too. Um, watching the fight, like like Lobov, especially when he was done, he he kept checking one of his knuckles, like to see if something yeah. happened. And then there's always these photos of their swollen hands, 
afterwards, yeah. swollen, bloody hands. So I, I feel like uh, Hawkins is a just bleed guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't always been, but I've kind of reverted back to it a little bit now with the uh, probably because we get so much MMA and now I just like the nostalgic feel of it same reason i like to watch one and the knees to the head or or rising with the soccer kicks and and stuff like that it's just another dimension of, of the fight game and on a weekend where there's not a ufc or bellator card i mean it's just something you know it attracts a crowd it's something i can talk to friends about that it's not just me watching some random fight from you know uh indonesia or something I, i'm it's a something that's happening in the united states and something different that that attracts people to it. And I hope it grows. Uh, my only fear is it almost gets too big. And then you get uh, an MMA promotion like the UFC, maybe, you know, I'm not saying they do it, but time. throwing their weight around going oh, no, into Wyoming, going into Wyoming and saying, Hey, we'll start putting a show here once a year, but you send these guys <laughs> packing, you know, and, mm, and yeah. something like that would be, would be the only thing. I, I don't, uh, I don't know if there's an arena in Mississippi that would, that would, <laughs> I don't know Mississippi they care. I, I have a feeling they're going to love their bare knuckle boxing no matter what. But uh, I'm curious to see what happens. It seems like it's kind of been an older fighters thing. I mean, I know Lobov. I was shocked to see. I think he was only 26. If you would have told me yeah. Lobov was 26, I would have laughed. I thought he had to be in early 30s with all the fights he seemed to have and and uh, just in general. But I'm wondering if this is going to be something that we're going to see. I mean, I imagine it has to do with the money they can afford and and. You know, you're not going to take this fight if you're a prime 25 year old fighter and you're a top no, ranked guy no, because it's could, it, it could end your career really quick. But uh, but it, I mean, we may we may see a future where we have people that start training specifically for this. It gets it gets big enough that we see people using this as their avenue to get into combat sports like they don't come over from MMA or, or boxing like they grow up. You know, I mean, who would have thought that kids would grow up wanting to be MMA fighters? Yeah. You know, one day. I, I mean, I sure didn't when I watched UFC one. I didn't <laughs> think, you know, that someday there would be kids who like dedicate their lives to trying to go pro. But now we have that. So, I mean, maybe uh, it's. At least right now, I kind of like what, what you said. It, it's those those in between guys. They're not quite over the hill, but they're just they're kind of losing a step. And bare knuckles seems to be paying the ones that are paying uh, pretty well. Uh, so, and they, I think they, I think it's a good spot for them. You know, I know like Isaac Valley Flag did one uh, yeah. recently as well. You know, and he was somebody who like that at that point in his his life, like he needed that. That was that came along at a perfect time for him when he needed it. Yeah. So I'm glad it's uh, out there for people like him. So one of the things like, I mean, in your industry, I would, I would imagine you catch wind of, of like what States are, are going to start accepting it. So you can start looking for work. Um, uh, Feldman, David Feldman, the president of BKFC. When I talked to him at the, at the press thing before the last one, he said that uh, new England is like the next uh, location. They're looking to hold an event. So when you hear stuff like that, do, do, do you start like, how do you get your, how do you offer your services to someone like uh, like Feldman and his organization? You know, uh, the cutmen usually pass the work on to each other. So mm -hmm. we, we have somebody that, you know, oh, you heard a guy. Because promoters from different areas of the country have just the people they talk to. So, you know, the, the promoters and like the Northern Carolinas, there's the guy that, that pretty much kind of piecemeals out the work there and then up in the East Coast. So uh, you would just kind of let whoever you know that he's friends with you know, it's all word of mouth. I mean, like, hey, you know, let him know if he comes down here. If he goes over here, I'm more than happy to come help out. And then it just goes on from there. It's just it's it's 
a lot of handshake deals. Like I have to be honest, like you would think it would be very like, and that's the problem a lot of people make uh, when they're trying to get started in, in my industry is they, they come at me with a lot of like fluff and fancy and like resumes and CVs and stuff like that. But like, <laughs> but who, who's seen you work, who can, yeah. you know, is there a video of you working somewhere? Or can you send me pictures of your raps? Like you can tell me all of these things, but I can't prove that, you know, I can't, you know, I can't prove that you were working at that amateur show in Mississippi last Friday, three years ago. So, you know, I need to know who knows you basically, uh, prove your work by doing a lot of work and then your name will get out there and then we will find out about you. But if you just try and, and just send me and, and just have me take your word for it, you're not going to get any work with me. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's that's almost like photographers and writers in the sport too. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's like, exactly wanna... the same. Like it's, yeah. and it's, it's vicious too. There, there's backstabbing that goes on and, yeah. and people set each other up. Luckily it's not as bad in Bellator, but there are other promotions out there where it gets kind of, like I, I heard of one recently where they purposely told uh, half their crew the wrong bus time so that the first half looked on time and the second half looked late. Like there's that level wow. of pettiness, you know, in some of these promotions. So yeah, with wow. the Cutman, yeah, it's a, uh, it's That's still crazy. a little wild west out there sometimes. So do you I, know if you're, are you tapped to come up to New York when they come in June? Uh, Bellator. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll be there for sure. So looking forward to that. Uh, always interesting with the New York State Athletic Commission. You know, it's kind of a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah. Ed, uh, you mentioned Bellator New York real quick. Yeah. And, and I, I've seen some of your re writings and uh, or some of your articles. And, and I, I asked you or I was shocked to see Neiman Gracie get announced for that event. Mm -hmm. Is he is that fight actually to face the winner of Fitch and McDonald? Or is that a yeah. fight that, that okay. Because when I saw him announced, I assumed that he was fighting somebody else. It just seems like it's a real quick window turnaround. Um, not that Fitch is a heavy striker, per se. Um, and I think most people will pick Rory going into that fight. But it seemed like a quick turnaround to try to announce somebody fighting. A. And B, are they really going to put Machida and, and Sonnen headlining over the Walter White title fight? I mean, I it just or is it just they don't want to name the Walter White title fight because they can't yet? Yeah, I mean it's it's card subject to change, like they say in the, in all the posters. But uh, you know, you know what I mean. But uh, um, the thing is, like, like uh, actually, um, Fernando Quillis, he's my managing editor over at MMA News, and he was the one that asked Coker on Tuesday about, um, you know, are you sure you you want to make that the same, pretty much your same concern? And um, Coker was like, I don't really want to think about that because of obviously if somebody gets hurt too bad, the winner gets hurt, then. You know, obviously, there's a lot of scrambling that that they have to do. Um, I don't know, uh, Marsden, how many uh, how many of the tournament fights have you have you worked in? And and in your opinion, do you think that's like too? Uh, are you with me and Matt and thinking that's weird that that it's too too little preparation time? I mean, we used to have our entire format built around these guys fighting three times in four months. That's true. So I mean, like I've I've seen it work out. Yeah. Uh, the only difference is back then we just used to say that they couldn't use elbows in those earlier tournament fights to try and avoid cuts. But, uh, I mean, I, I do think it's a quick turnaround, but from what I understand, that's what they both asked for. Rory and John both said that they wanted to fight again as soon as possible after this one. I think that, I think that they probably want to be on that, that MSG card who doesn't, 
You know what I mean? So I think yeah. they were both willing to take the chance of the quick turnaround in order to get the chance to be on the world's biggest stage. You know, I can't blame them for that. No, not at all. And and if they were the ones who kind of brought it up or, or were on board, then that makes a lot of sense. I just, when when he had told me initially, I was thinking that they gave, were given Gracie some other fight and it just didn't, uh, I was kind of lost by it. But if that's the case, then, then I guess that makes sense considering you have uh, May 11th, you have the, uh, the MVP uh, Lima fight. So it gets yeah. them back on somewhat of a even schedule. Um, if anything, this April 27th fight with Fitch and Rory is the one that kind of, mm-hmm. kind of threw everything off because it's kind of a late, yeah. late first round battle. Addition. Yeah. So when you, sure. when, when you have uh two fighters like Fitch and Rory, um, do you guys like, obviously Rory, Rory's known to have, <laughs> I mean, you think when you think about Rory McDonald, you can't help but think about that. How many times his nose is broke? Yeah. <laughs> so when you're looking at something, obviously, like you're looking at your, your 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 the next quarter of your schedule with that fight and then the MSG fight and, and the fights in between, do you do you, in your mind do you kind of have like a a, a pre, uh, not a plan but a prediction for like who's going to make it or who's going to be fit enough for the next fight after the fight that you're already going to be working? I do not know. <laughs> it's like. Uh... <laughs> Uh, are you asking like who do I think will will win out of like, or or like like how do you guys I mean not so much who you think will win but like in in the in your business do you get concerned as far as like wow this guy's gonna bleed a lot of guy I should bring extra tape or whatever the hell you know whatever you oh, gotta do to yes. oh no I do I like uh, for for somebody like Rory I I bring extra thrombin which is a separate medication that I use specifically for noses I always have some but for him I bring a new bottle like if that yeah like when I I look ahead and when I know somebody is like a, is a is a bleeder I I plan accordingly equipment wise for sure you know uh you know uh someone like uh like well like caveman rickles last week you know he's a bleeder like i knew that going into that fight i was ready for that and sure sure enough he proved me right uh but we always kind of joke that we have this uh this cut man on our crew named sid g who uh we always call him the cooler because like when he works an event he literally takes all the blood into his corner like nobody else will have anything they will be bone dry the entire night and not have a single in like single injury in their corner Sid gets 900,000 cuts a night. We don't know how he does it. It's like some type of black magic. But yeah, Sid. so <laughs> if, if Sid G's working that show, you know, and I put him in Rory's corner, like, look out. Okay, we're, we're going to see a bloodbath. Sure. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I mentioned it on the show uh, right after that event. And I, I don't know all the cut men names, but one of the guys yeah. who's been around Bellator forever, one uh, of I. I think he's a cut man. Kind of has a little bit longer hair. Or uh... Uh, Dean Lasseter, probably. Okay, that that might be it. Um, and if it's not him, then so be it. But uh, he came walking up, and he was talking to some people. And I don't know if he was just trying to show off, but either he was late or he had missed the the shilling uh, Barry fight. And he came in and he commented that he, he asked some people if there was a bloody fight because he could said he could smell the blood. Is that something? I mean, have you been around it enough where you can, you know, if, if a guy that was a heavy bloody fight, uh, Barry bled quite a bit in that fight. Is that something you could actually smell being around it so much? Or was he just trying to show off to the to the girls in the front? Yeah, row? That was just showing off a little <laughs> bit. You know, yeah, that's just something we say, like, yeah, so you hear the crowd, 
you know, going crazy and you're like, I can smell blood going on out there. The crowd wouldn't be going crazy without it. You know, uh, yeah, that's funny. That's that was definitely Dean, first of all. <laughs> and okay. then, uh, yeah. And then second of all, he's just uh, that guy is genuinely a fan of fighting and he is a just bleed fan. Like he he's a, he's a Matt Hawkins. He's a just bleed guy. <laughs> You know, and and I love him for it because of that, because he just absolutely like if you watch him in a corner, sometimes he gets as excited as any fan in the audience, you know, and it it just like I think the fighters can tell that. And, you know, when you're a fan and when you really like what they're doing and they like to be around you a little bit more than if you come off as like indifferent or something. And Dean is probably one of the biggest fans I've ever met. So he's he's been around Bellator a lot. I mean, I started he's going to Bellator the 10 man ever Bellator. Okay. Uh, and he was at one point in time, actually the director of operations. And then he, uh, whenever the, uh, the Bjorn Coker thing happened, he left to take a job with the state of California, uh, which is obviously a little bit more stable than working in television mm-hmm. MMA. You know? uh, so I don't blame him there, but he still wanted to stay around and, and work as a cut man and, more than happy to have him but yeah second cut man ever for you know because the first i think five or six shows it was just rob monroe by himself at every show and then dean was the second guy that that they ever hired so uh one of the um, talking about um smelling blood and stuff like that and and just uh being on the road i gotta ask you i mean this is more of a personal question for me because obviously you've done more double header events or two night in a row events but like, uh, I mean, what do you do? Like, you're because you're obviously you're there early in the morning for the early morning weigh-ins, and then and then you know you're working the event. Uh, like, uh, what was it? Fr- like Friday, because Friday, Thursday you were there in the morning, and then they had the Friday event. So you were there Friday, and then you had to work that night. So like, how do you? How do you? Are you are you a coffee guy? Like, or five hour energy? <laughs> like what? I do uh, five hour energy as a, as a writer and and you know covering for media, but. I'm just curious as to what you do because the uh, the the big white monsters, you know the the the, the zero carb white yeah. monsters. Anybody that knows me knows that I keep at least a six pack of those in my backpack at all times. Like I, <laughs> I don't go anywhere without them because on that show that you're talking about, mm-hmm. I had to leave it. It was two in the morning to catch the bus over to uh, Long Island, and so uh, is that the show you're talking about? The uh, the Mohegan well, I... Long Island show or the doubleheader Mohegan show? The doubleheader Mohegan. The doubleheader Mohegan show. Yeah. So for that one, the hard day is the day of the weigh-ins. And because the first weigh-ins, you just have the first weigh-ins and then the show the next day. But on that that first show, second weigh-ins, that's that's the hard part. Because uh, we, we get up at 6 a.m. to make the scale available again to fighters, you know, who are weighing in at 9. So we're up at 6. And then we go through the weigh-ins. Weigh-ins will get done around 12, 1230. Well, that's usually right when I go to the arena. So yeah, it's just uh, basically mainlining white monster. Yeah, and, the other uh, one, the Long <laughs> Island one. I mean, I remember you were you were tweeting at me. Uh, we were talking about Krispy Kreme when you were on yeah. the bus ride back. And and how yeah. the hell does Gareth Davies get on that bus? And I don't. That's what I want to know. <laughs> you know, I can just talk himself into anything. You know, <laughs> yeah. he'll walk up with a drink in his hand, a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. He'll mumble a few things, sounding all fancy and British. And the next thing you know, he's sitting in the back of the bus. I don't know how he does it either. <laughs> But everywhere you yeah. go, he can just lock himself into wherever he wants to be. Yeah, I, I got, I'll have to ask him to ch- teach me his technique because <laughs> I'm taking trains and spending money on tickets and stuff. So yeah, but, 
Sorry, so, man. <laughs> so for the fight attending fan, by the way, I, I use Red Bull vodka. That's how I get through my uh, my double events. But the classic. Uh, <laughs> so I can tell we, from your photos. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we, we've got all the uh, we've got all the energy drinks covered, though. So any of them want to sponsor Red Bull five hour energy <laughs> monster uh, vodka, vodka, any kind from charcoal filter to Casamigos. We'd be happy to uh, to have you on board. Um <laughs> Speaking of a doubleheader event, and uh, we mentioned the, the, the McDonald Fitch fight coming up, uh, the co-main event of that is uh, Limale McFarlane against uh, Bruna Ortega. Um, they had a, they, she headlined the second night of a, a huge back-to-back Hawaiian event in December of last year. Um, when I see her, I've been to uh, a handful of her fights, and I'm going to the one coming up. She seems like a real superstar. And it seemed like it was a real fun atmosphere, at least on television, um, the Hawaiian event. And um, I don't know if it's something that – I mean, I think something's in the works again for later this year. But uh, is that something worth going to? I mean, is that a different kind of experience than, than going to a normal show here uh, on the States? Or is it is it just a show with some uh, palm trees on stage? You know, it, it's, it's worth going to uh... – for the audience there, I would compare to maybe like an audience in Dublin or an audience in Israel. It's, it's. I actually had a hard time when I was in Hawaii. It was my first time going, and I kept saying I'm from the states because to, to me I felt like I was in another country. And so when when Alimale fought, it was like wow. They came out and they you know uh, they did the the dance and everything, and and the audience was into it and they came together. So for that, yes. You know, I, I would say that it's worth it uh, if we do it again, which I, I believe that you're correct that we're we're looking at that for towards the end of the year again. Uh, but it's it's worth it. It's it's a, just a different kind of feel, you know, to have everybody like we had a fight on our undercard that was that was there. They were both very very good fighters and had good local records, but the audience was actually really into it because they had come from two opposing high school football teams. Like even though they hadn't been in high school for like five years. Like it was the high schools that these guys had gone to, which had the crowd whipped up into a frenzy in Hawaii. It's like down to that local level. And I thought that was kind of neat to see. And I'm like, what, what's the, why, why is the crowd so angry with each other? Oh, he went to this high school and we don't like them. I'm like, mm-hmm. these guys are like 23. <laughs> you know, we're, but like, it's like the, the, the roots run deep there, like all the way down yeah. to like the kids. And so that was kind of just cool to see how, how into it they were. They love MMA in Hawaii and they're all scrappers yeah. too. You know, everybody I met trained. Everybody I met. And I got some of the best training I've had all year out in Hawaii at uh, Sunset Beach Jiu-Jitsu, the, the Ruka gym out there. Oh, uh, nice. It, yeah, it is. It was good so, just for that. And it was the Pipeline Pro uh, was also going on at the, t- at the same time. So we got to see the finals. Uh, yeah, it was just a great experience for all of that kind of happening around that same time of year. So what do you, you pack a gi or, or no gi stuff? Or what do you do when you, when you try to roll well, along on your... Okay. I, I pack no gi stuff too because most people don't pack a gi, but I always have one just in case. And uh, I usually find we, we roll every morning before the show, which is stupid, I know, because one of us is going to get hurt one day. But uh, every morning, you know, we, we roll and we have a nice mix. And usually a lot of the coaches, you know, will show up and roll with us. So we have a nice, like, kind of rotating mix of like black belts all the way down to, you know, we have white belts on the mat that oh, have wow. seen us rolling and, yeah, just I- started. They're like, <laughs> Oh man, I wish I could have gotten in on that. <laughs> yeah, you can come down if you're at a, if you're at a show and you want to roll show morning. You can come roll. 
Like it's not just employees only. Like oh yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah, because because I'll bring yeah. my stuff. Don't 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 play, man. Uh, that's one no, one yeah, thing. Our... Uh, one thing I hate is uh, I mean, I I'm I'm pretty sure I've complained to to Hawkins about it. I I when I cover events, I miss training, and um, yeah. I mean, I obviously I eat a lot of garbage because of, of <laughs> you know I'm constantly uploading and writing. I have to eat a lot. I I eat, you know. Uh, especially for Mohegan Sun, I eat like a lot of burgers and stuff, and and I come back five pounds heavier. So if I can get a rolling out there, I mean, I try to do the boss room workout. Oh, absolutely, man! And like yeah. it, it's a whole gamut of people. You know, well, Hoist comes out and rolls sometimes. You know, and uh, Danny Brenner. I, I think you guys know Danny Brenner. Yeah. Uh, PR. He rolls. Oh, you I know, didn't know he's that. Out there actually, yeah. You know, and uh, uh, some of our our social media people, Rich Chow, gets on the mat every show day. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's been getting bigger, but uh, yeah, always always have a gi. Like when I go to London, like I have a gym I train at in London now. Like it's getting to the point where we're going to enough places that I'm even having like home gyms in different cities. So that's that's just great. The jujitsu community is really welcoming like that. So. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I'll definitely have to hit you up next time. Yeah, for sure. You you've dropped a lot of weight over the last couple years. Is that mainly because of jujitsu, or did you change? Is there other stuff that you've changed? Uh, I mean, it's uh, you. so before I was I was mainly powerlifting. I was, you know, I was trying to hit that thousand pound club between, you know, squat, deadlift and bench press. And uh, I got there, but at a real expense to my shoulders and hips, like I was just in real, real pain, you know. And so the first thing I did was I just I just cut the calories out a little bit. You know, when you're powerlifting, that community is very much like you got to be big, you know, you got to. And I don't really think that you necessarily had to do, but. I drank the Kool-Aid a little bit on that because it benefited me and, you know, my pizza cravings. So uh, once I just kind of knocked that off, uh, I just I got back on the mats a little bit. And that was an eye opener because I realized I couldn't even go around without gassing. You know, I couldn't even go one round without needing a break. And so I uh, I started just going to jujitsu more often. And then I started the couch to 5K program, which just involved like it starts off with 30 seconds of walking and like 60 seconds of running alternating for 10 minutes. It's like as hard as the first workout is. But, you know, now I'm up to, you know, between four and six miles every day, going to jujitsu every day, watching what I eat. And so when I was powerlifting, I was at 225. And then um, I just competed like three, four weeks ago at 165. And wow. then I'm dropping to 155 for a tournament in July here in Florida. So that'll be the, probably the the bottom, I'm sure. I'll probably bounce back up a little bit towards 165 after that. But it's been, it's been good because with jujitsu and running both, I can kind of motivate myself with events. Like I can sign up for a five or a 10K, or I can sign up for a tournament and make sure I don't slip up off the path. You know, make sure I keep some skin in the game. Yeah, when you when you lose weight, like I've gotten as light as one, I think the lightest I've ever got I, was one seventy six, and I remember, um, and I was up, I was like, I was a blue belt, I think when, yeah, I was a blue belt when I did that, and um, back then I remember rolling with a guy that was more advanced than me, and he actually he I I remember feeling I didn't feel weak, but I was I felt very fast and energetic, but uh, yeah. I didn't feel weak, but he was tossing me around and sweeping me which is normally something he normally doesn't do. And he actually said to me, he was like, the first thing he said after the match was, how much are you weighing now? And I was like, I'm 176. And he was like, that's too light for you. So yeah. now I, I, so now it's I like a different to game. It really is. Yeah. You know, there, there are some positions, especially like some top heavier positions that I can't work as well anymore because I just don't have the weight to drop anymore. 
but I also don't snore now, and my wife likes that, so I think it's an even trade-off. Oh, you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I've been there. I mean, I, I, when I used to live with somebody, I mean, when I, my weight was up, she knew because I was slow, snoring. So. No, that can't be a bad trade-off. Yeah. Keep the wife happy. Yeah. I imagine yeah. that's better than not. Um, but I was going to say, no, transitioning from somebody who eventually had uh, weight issues brings us kind of over to the UFC card uh, this weekend, <laughs> uh, UFC 236 uh, <laughs> from Atlanta, um, which we actually a couple guys who've had weight issues. But in the co-main event, Kelvin Gastelum, who had several issues at the uh, Walter Weight 170-pound division, um, has really found a home at 185 other than, other than his loss to uh, Chris Weidman, who's a gigantic middleweight. Um, he's really held his own with victories over Jacare and a few other big stars at that. Uh, he faces off against Israel Adesanya, uh, the kickboxing star who's undefeated in MMA at 16 and 0. Uh, it's a, it's a uh, interim middleweight championship bout uh, due to the, the health issues of, uh, of Whitaker, the, uh, the champ. Uh, what do you think, Ed? How, is that a fight you've looked into? And uh, Oh, yeah. I actually spent my whole lunch break today doing research and stuff for, you know, for my breakdowns for both SureDog and MMANews.com. So um, you're asking about the uh, – actually, with Gastelum and Adesanya or, or – Yeah, that was – I mean, that's the one I'm yeah. asking about. We'll so that one, that one in particular, I mean, I know a lot of people are quick to pick uh, Adesanya because he's like the new young rising star, but – when I was looking back at it, I'm looking at, at, uh, uh, you know, Gaslam's actually younger than him. Number one. And number two, I mean, it's only by a couple of years, so it really doesn't matter. But number two, I think his resume and quality of opponents and fights that he's had for what's on the table and what's at stake. I think carrying that experience with him gives him an edge. And uh, I feel like if he lands anything or gets a hold of Adesanya, it's definitely going to be, uh, I don't see him finishing him, but I think he could pull off a decision. So that that's I actually picked Gastelum for that. What do you say, Matt? You know, uh, I'm I'm afraid of Adesanya because I don't want to get kind of McGregor'd again, and and by that I mean where I get really excited about somebody on the come up, and they're they're really they're really there, and then they get exposed with one glaring weakness, or like kind of you know like Ronda did, you know, kind of got exposed. A little bit after she was a quick rise to the top, and so uh, I actually I agree. I'm, I'm I'm leaning towards Kelvin on this one just because of experience and just more versatility. I think he's just a better all around fighter from what I've seen because mm-hmm. I haven't seen that much from Adesanya yet, uh, at least as far as him being really threatened or challenged and 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 having to persevere through anything. So until you've, you've proven that you can come through a real battle, I'm always going to kind of pick against you, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, that makes three of us then because I pretty much fall into the same category there. Um, I think Kelvin, who, who comes from a, a wrestling base, at least that's what he, that's what he yeah. came came kind of up with. That was his strong suit on the Ultimate Fighter uh, when he beat guys like uh, uh, Hall and, and, uh, and eventually won the beat Hall for the title there um, for the Ultimate Fighter. So I think that wrestling could pay could jump, get into this. Um, at least I think it would be a smart move on his part to uh, try to drag uh, Adesanya down to the, to the mat. And um, although Israel's done 
fairly well in his fight so far on the ground. Uh, I don't think he's dealt with anybody that can that can bring that much pressure. Right. Uh, um, I also have said on the show several times in other title fights, and I'm not always right, but even though the guy, even though he's 16 and 0 undefeated, until a guy really gets under the real bright lights of a title fight and uh, has to deal with all the extra media, I know he's headlined a, a, an Ultimate Fighter event. But this is a bigger deal. That's not this the is... same. Yeah, that's not no, the same. No, no, no. That's in front of 5,000 people in, in a Las Vegas in the Pearl or something. This is this is going to be 20,000 people in Atlanta. Um, so I, I just – I always feel like he might go on to become a great champion. But I, I generally feel like their first shot at it, they tend to at least not go fight up to their full ability. And sometimes they get through and they get the win and they, and they learn from that. But I feel like this is going to be a case where he's probably going to get beat up a little bit, a five round yeah. fight. Um, I think he's being pushed a little fast. I just do like, I don't, yeah. I don't necessarily know that we're there yet for this. Well, that's, that's what I think. <clears throat> that's where I think Bellator does a better job than the UFC. And I know the UFC is bringing in heavy loads of money on some of these fights, but I feel like they do push their guys, the Darren Tills. Um, they some do. Of these, you know, you know and, and we catch crap the other direction for that, where people say that we we string them along too long, we 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 take too long to, to build them up. You know, I'm sure the answer is somewhere in the middle, but <laughs> yeah, it, I'd rather it, put our way than theirs. Yeah, I mean, in the long run, I think your way is the better way because even yeah. if it takes another year for somebody to get that fight, by the time they get there, they've they've already you know been through a war, they've been they've tasted their own blood, they've you know yes. they, they you know they've been kicked in the groin they've taken an eye gouge they've gotten to a point where they've <laughs> reached it and 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 adesanya's got a million kickboxing bouts so he's clearly got yeah. experience but um in a five-round fight i feel if, if gaslam's able to take him down i think he's going to finish him late in the fourth maybe early in the fifth uh by submission or even tko just due to exhaustion of you know if he if he fights a smart cape on kelvin might go out there dance around and and get blasted real quick too i mean I, I hope not like yeah the first thing i would do yeah. would be i would shoot for i would shoot right away if it were me <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, you know that's how we I, always he, go but i mean it's never he, the case just uh i mean because he's had if, if if we're measuring adesanya by how he did against anderson silva this this is not the anderson silva of old you know, he, 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 this is the past prime Anderson Silva that he went to distance and won a decision against and, um, Gaslam's lost, but he's been, he's been submitted. He's, he hasn't been knocked out yet. And I don't know if, uh, I don't know if, um, Adesanya has the pop to, to, I mean, obviously a good liver shot will drop anybody, but I, I, I think Gaslam's just a little, I don't, I don't think he's, he's faced anyone quite as durable as Gaslam. And again, just, just the, just the overall experience and the resume of, Guys, he's faced and and won and lost against. Um, I think that's that's in all in his favor. Well, transitioning then from a durable fighter, we got two gr- incredibly durable fighters in the main event that night. Uh, Max Holloway, Dustin Poirier. I mean, you know, from a just bleed guy, I guess I am like now. <laughs> I mean, these are two of my uh, these are two of my current favorite fighters and. Uh, both, I mean, in the short time I've had a chance to meet the guys, two guys who are both really friendly, personable people that uh, at least they were to the fans. So um, I have a hard time picking this fight. Uh, Max Holloway's the featherweight champion, 145 pounds, coming up to 155. Uh, and this is another interim title bout uh, with the uh, due to all the chaos taking place at the lightweight that, yeah. that Ed and I have put a, a kibosh on talking about. Unless it's fight related, we're not going to get into the 
all the other nonsense <laughs> involved there. But um, I'm going with Poirier. I just feel like he's going to be big, uh, strong, and uh, I just I don't know. I, it might be a mistake, but I just feel like he's on a mission right now, and uh, I just part of me thinks that he's gonna he's gonna put a hurting on Max. And I maybe I'm crazy, but I just for some reason I, I'm leaning that direction. Uh, Matt, you're laughing. <laughs> go go uh, ahead. No, because my my mind knows that you're right but my heart wants Max. Like, <laughs> I don't want to bet against Max. I, I want Max to win in my heart, but my brain says, no, Poirier is the correct answer. Stupid. Like, why? Don't put your money on, on Max right now. But, like, that's not the smart thing to do. So I, I agree with you. I just hate that I do, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, go ahead, Ed. No, well, so, I mean, I, um, I, I mean I'm with you on Poirier, too, by the way. Um, just and, and it has nothing to do with the fact that he already holds a win over uh, Holloway. Um, I just think when you look at both of them, and this is this is what I wrote in my piece to MMA News, was that um, you know they both evolved way past you know what they were back. I mean you know I know they both lost to McGregor and 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 um, Holloway. Obviously, they've both grown so much since then, but that doesn't mean you know Poirier has gotten worse. And um, to uh, to Marsden's point. I, I do think he's going to be the bigger, stronger. Uh, I think he's going to be able to to force himself on, on Holloway a little more, and um, I I also think that being on the shelf. And I didn't write this. I just wrote this down on my notebook. I think I think being on the shelf, waiting for his shot for so damn long, has not only given him time to come to come in fresher, but just to want it more too. So um, yeah, I, I I got Poirier in the main event. You know, with all this said. Poirier in his first title fight, so that could be an issue. I, we just talked about yeah. with Israel. He's been main eventing before. His only other real, I mean, he, other than his main events, but the fight that really had a spotlight on him was when he fought um, Conor McGregor, and he probably had one of his worst performances uh, in, in, in any of his fights that I can recall from his days in Louisiana, honestly, in that fight. He didn't put up much of a fight, and he got crumbled by McGregor. So, you know, I, I kind of feel the same way. You know, part of me wants Holloway to win and and carry on with what he's doing, but Poirier's been in so many damn wars, and uh, yes. this will be his 30th fight. You know, him winning a title would be would be a really cool thing and and one of the most well-deserved journeys to, to get to this point. So it's kind of weird we both have uh, – we both have the same. All three of us have the same picks. Yeah, I think I think we all picked the underdog on the uh, on the betting side. So maybe yeah. we should uh, maybe we should work really? a little parlay. Really, the lines? I'm surprised by that actually. I, yeah, I no, I, I was too. But yeah, no, Matt's right. Uh, they they both are underdogs. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Huh. So, so we'll there see. We but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's uh, it's gonna be a fun night of, of fights either way. I don't think. Uh, I don't think that main event can be boring in any way. Uh, I, I can't. I can't picture any any scenario where that's the case, um, barring some kind of crazy freak injury or uh, a hemorrhoid being produced by a her uh, <laughs> kick early. <laughs> now, is uh, is this the first one? Are that have they moved completely over to the ESPN Plus pay per view model? That's like yeah. we're there now. Okay. That's, yeah, that's so, going to be the other interesting uh, thing that yeah, that is happens. this the first one. Yeah, it's, it's under. Yeah. Okay, all right. Because like, I, yeah, I didn't know that they they'd done one yet. So okay, yeah, that'll yeah. be interesting to see too. 
So. You're gonna make you're gonna make Ed's eyes bleed. He is anti. <laughs> anti- <laughs> anti- <laughs> sorry, sorry. That's that's all. That's all no, that's matter. <laughs> well, I think it's, so I'm only worried about like if I go to a, the bars that I normally go to to watch the pay per views, if they're even number one aware of it. Because I think I told uh, I think I told you last time, Matt, that that uh, the the one of the the Hooters by me didn't even know about the whole thing with DirecTV and and. Uh, that back and forth that happened for 235, I believe it was. And now this one's happening. Like, I, I was talking to Nolan King about it, too. I'm like, what is, what are they going to get some guy with his smartphone connect to the Wi Fi in the bar and, 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 and broadcast <laughs> the whole event? <laughs> so, I, I told you that if they, if there's some kind of outage or some kind of bad bandwidth situation, I mean, I'm not technical. Well, yeah, the I'm, internet's going to be your main thing. I mean, because you can have it on like a Roku or, a, you know, or something like that. A fire stick, but yeah, if you've got, I mean, most of these bars don't have the best internet. No, oh, <laughs> and, and, you know, if you've charged a bunch of drunk people ten dollars uh, to get Cover in there, and all of a sudden yeah. it goes out in the middle of the main event, you know, I wouldn't want to be the bouncer that night. That's going to be an ugly scene. Um, I don't know how it's going to work. I see, I saw Dana White tweeting stuff out, and they're trying to get the word out. But um, I also saw a poll by. Uh, uh, gross uh i don't remember i don't remember which writer it was but uh it wasn't good it was 50 percent of it was 50 percent of the people said i'm we're out this is just another we're not i'm not taking this step and given it was only like 800 votes but you know when you got 800 people voting and 400 of them are saying this is one line we're not going to cross and and we're done significant you know that's that's it and uh i mean i don't have espn plus like i'll i'll admit that (laughs) <laughs> right no, now. I mean, I, I don't have it right now. I, I've, I've, uh, I've had a free trial about four times. I'm, I'm gonna, <laughs> I, I figured out how that's gonna, how to work that a little bit. But, um, you know, I, I, I said it, and you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not promoting illegal streams in any way. But I oh, have a, I just yeah. feel like you're gonna get to a situation now where people are gonna start looking into online streams for the legal way to watch it. And they're going to quickly learn how easy it is to go around that. And I, I don't think that's going to be – and I, I just – I feel like that's going to be easy. Someone's going to type in Holloway versus Poirier UFC 236 stream, and sure, ESPN Plus might pop up there, but there's going to be about 17 other things that they oh, might click on first. Reddit, Reddit has a thread for every event. <laughs> I mean, it's just right there. Uh, yeah, it's you know, the first search result. If you type in, you know, UFC two thirty seven streaming, the first search result is to the Reddit link. Yeah, you know? no, and there's no oh. doubt about that. And and but those those are people who are kind of computer savvy already know that. I'm talking about the the sixty year old guy who's trying to figure out how to watch the fight, who's ordered it on Directv every month for the last fifteen years is now all of a sudden, who's not real super savvy on the forum scene and stuff like that, is going to either not buy it, or because he's not he's not even going to know it exists, A, or B, he's going to go on there and he's going to type in like you say, and all of a sudden he's going to be uh, shown another world where, you yes. know, you know, like I said, I, you know, it's it's kind of a mixed bag of, of, of things like, as far as pain yeah. and Stuff like that, but ESPN uh, must be giving them a lot of money. That's just I got They got to be giving them a lot of a lot of cash. Yeah, they're known to overspend. I mean, if you look at their history and when they were in trouble versus now and all this stuff. So yeah, yeah. Well, not to mention, I mean, I went on it uh, just out of curiosity. So if you want this event, the your the bill you get is for seventy nine ninety nine, 
And oh. that's that's for this event and a year's worth of ESPN Plus. So if you look at it that way, it's a deal okay, in a not, sense. That's not bad, yeah. But <laughs> if you're somebody who orders the event once or twice a year, you know, all of a sudden you see that bill of 80 bucks and maybe you were paying 55 or 59 or whatever it was. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, it's just, I, I, I just don't see it. I don't, nobody in my family, you know, I don't know anybody who has ESPN plus, which is one. Neither, thing. To be <laughs> honest. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know a single person that has it, yeah. you know? So there's three big fight fans here. None of us know anybody who has it. Um, and I don't know anybody who doesn't have it. That's going to look into figuring out how to get it. I mean, I don't, you know, <laughs> I, I just don't. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting. I, we'll never know the numbers. They're going to tell us that a million oh. people watched it. It could be 5,000 for all we know. We're never yeah. going to, I mean, and that goes for Bellator too, not to be biased. We don't know the days. Oh, no, it's true. The, With the his own, yeah, yeah. We, we, don't, we don't know, know those numbers. We I don't know, know <laughs> you know. They're paying guys like Canelo and, and I think Triple G and Joshua huge amounts of money, but we yes. don't really know how much money, how many people are, are, are buying it. Now, that's a different story though because – that's nine. It was nine ninety nine. Now they're changing the pricing thing. If you were a yeah. Canelo boxing fan or something, you were spending seventy bucks on his pay per view. You would have to be an utter moron not to subscribe up to a month of DAZN for ten dollars yeah. to, to keep an eye on that. But um, absolutely. But yeah, well, I, and DAZN makes money from different sports in different areas. Like a lot of people don't realize, like in Germany, like yeah. their thing is they have all the uh, the soccer rights. Mm-hmm. You know, so they even have the rights to the UFC in like Argentina or something like yeah. that. Like it's. It's weird, but their money is definitely like it comes from a lot of different spots. But I have it, uh, and I don't even get a discount. You think I would get a discount, <laughs> and I don't, yeah. you know. But I pay full price. But for the boxing, for a lot of it, it's just for the yeah. boxing. Yeah, you know, it's just always something on there. Yeah, once, once, you know, I know the Canelo fights. I think coming up here fairly soon. Once a big boxing fights, I'll, I'll re-get it again. Um, it just for me, it was always mainly the the main the MMA stuff and. They're really, ha- Bell- I mean, I go to a lot of Bellator, so I miss a lot of the events that normally I'd be sitting at home watching. Um, yeah. And well, plus- my wife likes it because she says she gets to see me work more because they show the dark fights too. She's like, so <laughs> that's why she likes it. That is, that is a good point without having to transfer over to the Bellator app and, yeah. and work some of the, the back behind, you know, moving uh, devices and such to, to, to get everything in. Um, was that the uh, it, just real quick talking about dark fights? The the last uh, event um, actually oh, had yeah. scheduled post limbs. I don't recall yeah. many times. Maybe we, maybe we maybe. only do that in very special situations, and that special situation oh, is the West Coast on a Friday night, uh, and it's for the gate. Uh, it's just, uh, and, and I don't think that he's wrong when he says this, that Scott says that if we start our prelims, you know, when we normally do, which would, you know, be like uh, five or six. And if we try and run them through, he's like, nobody's going to come, uh, for any of those people because they won't be able to get there in time on, you know, cause it's a Friday night. So, uh, on the West coast, because we have to, we would have to start them at, I think it would be 2 PM on the West coast in order to hit our. Three, no, three four. We'd have to. Three yeah, o'clock three, would be yeah, three, three hours higher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So to hit our West Coast feed. And in California, you know, if you're not getting off till five o'clock and we start our prelims at Friday and on at three, three thirty, like a lot of people aren't just aren't going to buy tickets. They're just not going to come. So when we're on the West Coast, we always do just a couple of prelims, uh, then the main card. And then really our prelims are just on the backside. We just run the card in reverse, essentially. 
you you guys used to start at like four o'clock local time or even four thirty. There was a time where there was like two or three post limbs, but this one there was like nine of them or eight of them yeah. scheduled. This was the um, second time we've done it this way, and we've seen an, an appreciable jump in ticket sales by doing it this way. Yeah, and I think your your crowd is bigger. You get more of a stay around crowd. Um, especially yeah. if you have like this one, you had the, the Rickles and, and, Matthews, Rickles and Matthews. So, so Matthews being a local guy uh, here in Southern California, he had a, he had a nice following and, and Rickles is obviously a, a famous Bellator exactly. fighter. So he keeps, keeps the people there. And, and uh, as opposed to, like you said, I, I, somebody actually asked me about that. And I said, you know, cause they were, and I go, you can't do it here. I go, you can't get there in time. I go, it's traffic. I go, even if you got work off work yep. at two o'clock and, you, and you're coming from an hour north or an hour south from San Diego or L.A. for an event in Temecula, you're just not going to get there. The traffic is going to wipe you wipe you. That's out exactly the reasoning. Yep. And I said, I said, unless Bellator wants to have an event where the only person in the crowd is me, I said, yeah. <laughs> I go, I go the, the crowd will be Matt Hawkins. That'll be the only thing for the first eight <laughs> fights of the night. And I, I've, I've been there <laughs> when you guys used to do it and. Um, when it was smaller, I, I swear I was the only fan at the weigh-ins and I mean, it was, it was a, it was a smaller, bigger world now with Coker and DAZN. Yeah, and, it was, uh, it was wild back then how small it was. People, you know, people didn't realize that, you know, it started in the back of Bjorn's wife's office. Like she had an office and he had a room in the back of her office that he was running all of Bellator out of with one employee. You know, that's how it started. You know, to to see it, you know, in Madison Square Garden now, that's like that's that's yeah. crazy to me. You know, to... it, I mean, it's crazy to me as a local. I mean, you know, um, I, I I don't know if I recommended the book to 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 you before, but uh, I know I've definitely recommended it to to Hawkins. Um, the uh, the uh, Raw Combat book by Jim Jenia. It's pretty much just the history of how how the sport came in this area. And the fan base that's been in it as long as I have, we had to go watch. You had to go watch fights in closed martial arts schools um, mm. because they were like illegal, quote unquote, underground fights, you know. And any fighter in New York that that wanted to make uh, guys like uh, um, Matt Sarah, Eddie Alvarez, you know, from the from the region, if they wanted to fight, um, they had to come to Jersey to fight, you know, Atlantic City. Uh, that's that's why. Uh, I mean, not to get old, not to bring up Donald Trump, but that's why Dana White <laughs> thanked. That's why Dana White uh, thanked Donald Trump uh, and and supported his campaign because um, he was the first guy to to put up a you know with the legalization and everything and that's that's how it all got started. So it's definitely that's why it's a big deal to folks around here when MMA comes to the Garden, especially. Yeah, we well, we've had a big following in New York. Like it, we we've always done really really well there, like surprisingly well. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I'm always happy to go back there. Well, we've had you for about an hour now, Matt. Uh, it's been another awesome talk. Do you want to throw <laughs> out your sponsors or any of your handles uh, on social media? Uh, all, all social media is is Cutman Matt, uh, Twitter and Instagram. I'm most active on Instagram. Uh, sponsors, as always, Affliction. We just signed a new year with them, so that'd be uh, my fifth year now that I've been with them. So true supporters. And then uh, I've been working with Turp House uh, CBD oils. I think everybody's working with the CBD oil right now. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Mod Cabin to keep my beard looking good. I'm <laughs> there putting, putting grease on dudes all over the world. So <laughs> thanks to them. <laughs> That's funny. And thank awesome. you guys. I always like coming on. I appreciate it. Thank awesome. you. 
Fans can always follow us at Combat Hour on Twitter. Myself at MMA Hawk on Twitter and Inst- I'm sorry, MMA Hawk 21 on Twitter and Instagram. You can catch Ed at Carbizal on Twitter and at Carbizal on Instagram. Um, looking forward to a good weekend of fights and uh, look forward to talking to you again next week, Ed. And uh, I will see you up in, uh, I'm sitting nosebleed actually, kind of doing a cheap trip, but uh, I will catch you in San Jose, I'm sure, uh, for the big fight on uh, April 27th. All right, looking forward to it. Cool, thanks. Hey y'all, East Coast Ed here. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can be a monthly supporter for as little as 99 cents a month. This podcast will always be free, but if you help Matt and I out for future episodes, supporters will be shouted out on the show and large supporters will be randomly selected to do predictions for a big pay-per-view event in the future. So please click the support tab and enjoy the show.